0: And we're back. Welcome back. Uh, I'm gonna hope to finish off this um, this teaching on the importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit today. So, uh, yesterday we kind of got a little introduction, <clears throat> but um, I'm hoping to finish off. So, very quickly, just a reminder: in November, we're going to be in uh, Brazil. Rio Janeiro. We're going to be out there uh, ministering for a whole month. We're going to be doing outdoor revivals, outreaches, preaching the gospel, saving the lost. So uh, please pray for us. Um, We are praying also for provision. So we believe God's going to do something great um, in November of this year. So keep me in your prayers. Um, So very quickly. All right. A quick recap. Let's turn it down one notch, maybe on the on the volume, I tend to get so passionate and I start yelling, so that's my fault. Anyways, so very quickly, um, uh, a quick recap of what we talked about yesterday. We we're talking about the four things that happen when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, yesterday, we talked about uh, the Holy Spirit is a promise. It is the promise of the Father to the children. How do you become a child of God? We talked about the difference between the creation of God and the children of God. Not everybody is a child of God, despite whatever we whatever we may have heard growing up, whatever we've believed, the Bible says in the book of John, the gospel of John chapter one, verse 11 through 12, it says the following, it says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave them the right. So to become a child of God is a right. Um, it's not only just enough believing in God, but you have to receive him as well. Um, then we talked about Romans chapter 10, verse 10, which, uh, basically what it's saying here, this is where we get the sinner's prayer for with the heart, one believes and is justified and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. And so this is how we get saved. This is why, where people get the sinner's prayer from. So we talked about the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit is the promise of the father to the children, It is a promise of the Father to the children, and so it is important. So is the baptism in the Holy Spirit even biblical? Do we find it in the book of Acts? Yeah, we find it in the book of Acts. Uh, In Acts chapter 8, the story of uh, Philip, he preaches to them, and they believe in Jesus, they are baptized, and then Peter and John come, and then they lay hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Um, And then uh, also in Acts chapter 19, in Acts chapter 19, Paul um he goes and asks the question to these people who've already believed he asks the question he says did you receive the holy spirit when you believed they responded with we have not even heard if there's a holy spirit or not so what is the baptism in the holy spirit the baptism in the holy spirit it comes after the new birth. You receive the Holy Spirit when you become a new creation. Yes, he begins a work of sanctification in you. What does this mean? He begins a work of making you like Jesus, taking away those impurities and giving you this new life. And so this is what we call sanctification. Um, And then after that comes the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So one of the ways that I described it, it is one thing to say that the boat is in the water. And it's another thing to say that the water is in the boat. You can receive Jesus as your savior and you can stay there. In the next teaching, I'm going to talk about the difference about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go in in a little bit more in depth. Um, Basically, the difference when you receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes to reside in you. And then when he comes over you, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But Four things that happen when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, we talked about the first one, which is overwhelming fullness of the Holy Spirit. He brings a sense of purpose to your life. He brings a sense of why you want to live. Everything changes. He brings uh, a balance to your emotions. You're not an emotional person. Um, he brings uh, power. He brings authority over you. So all of these things um, happen whenever the Holy Spirit uh, comes over you. Uh, the second thing that I want to talk about today, is what happens when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? The second thing that happens is this, is there is an increase of dedication and consecration to the work of the kingdom of God. So the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. What is it saying? It's four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? The gospel. One of the biggest issues that we have today as uh, ministries, as um, the the Western church, the church here in the United States, it's the following. Is that th- most pastors on a Sunday morning will use the Bible to... Promote a motivational message. The apostles' teaching was not a motivational message. The apostles' teaching was repentance. The apostles' teaching was the gospel. Despite whatever you may believe and despite whatever you think the gospel is, you are not the center of the gospel. I am not the center of the gospel. The center of the gospel is Jesus himself and him crucified. And because of him, we have forgiveness of sin. Because of his sacrifice, we are able to enter into heaven. We are not good people. The Bible says there is not just one righteous person, not even one. We are all sinners and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But you do not hear this on Sunday morning. Why? Because there is the presence of the Holy Spirit that is missing. We are missing so many things on Sunday morning here in the church in America. And one of those things is the dedication and consecration to the work of God, to to be devoted to the teachings of the apostles, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Motivational messages, they are great. If you're out running, if you're out jogging in the morning, if you're getting your your gym on, whatever it may be, it's great. Yeah, you can listen to a little motivational message. That's great. It motivates you to keep working out, to get some sweat in. But these motivational messages will change nobody they will change you for a time, but anything that is rooted in man is only temporary. Everything that is rooted in the spirit of God, everything that is rooted in the gospel will have permanent lasting effect. So if you want real change, you don't get that by a motivational message. You don't get that by a motivational teaching. You get that by the gospel of Jesus. This is why it's so important to know the gospel. It's so important to teach Bible Even in the youth groups, and I talk a lot about youth because I'm a youth pastor, the one thing that keeps the the students coming, the one thing that keeps the the students here every single Wednesday is not how great music we have. It's not that we have so many lights because we don't. It is the teaching of the gospel, the teaching of the Bible, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. If you want the Holy Spirit to move, the first step is teach the Bible. The Holy Spirit will not move if all you're teaching is a motivational message. A motivational message will change nobody. So there's dedication and consecration to the work of the kingdom. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. In chapter 2, we see something very interesting, and there's two things. It starts off, chapter 2 starts off with a very beautiful spiritual uh, um, um, happening, which is where... The Holy Spirit descends. It is the day of Pentecost. By the end of chapter 2, we see that they were together in fellowship. One of the things that we miss so much, or maybe we only focus on, is the fellowship part. Both things are equally important to fast, to pray, to teach the gospel, to seek the presence of God, but also to have fellowship, to be uh, in, in communion with one another, with brothers and sisters. The teaching, the fellowship, and then the Bible says the breaking of bread and prayers. It is not a sin to have food at church and to fellowship with brothers and sisters. It is not a sin to eat. Uh, I have so many people that ask, "Oh, well, is it a sin to to, to sell food?" Um, we're you know we're raising money for missions. Is it a sin because you know Jesus went into the temple and he turned over those tables. And when you use these things out of context, that you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. It is not a sin to have food in the church, obviously not in the sanctuary. Let's, let's get that straight. But with a purpose. You're not having food just to have food. You're not breaking bread just to break bread. There is a purpose in everything. And then the last thing, it says, and prayers. They devoted themselves in prayers. There was prayer involved. So not only do you fellowship, not only do you teach, but you pray together. A church that prays together is a church that stays together. That sounds so corny. Is everything good? Are we good? Okay. A church that prays is a church that is a strong church. No church is more powerful than its prayer life. No Christian, no believer is more powerful than his or her prayer life. Your prayer life will tell you everything. You can know the Bible front to back, but if you do not have a prayer life, you are still a weak Christian. You may know how to use the word, you may know how to use the Bible, but you need prayer. You can't just focus on one thing. You become unbalanced. So the first thing that happens is that you get an overwhelming fullness of the Holy Spirit when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The second thing that happens is there's this increase in the dedication and consecration to the work of the kingdom. This is why you'll see so many people that they don't have a problem with dedicating hours upon hours and days to the work of God, to doing so many things. This is one of the reasons why I wish I could take the whole month of November off and not have to travel, not have to study and prepare for messages to reach the lost. But because I have the power of the Holy Spirit, then I have love, I have dedication, consecration to the work of the kingdom. You don't get tired of reaching souls. This is why every Wednesday we're here. Today, we start at 530. There's a bunch of kids that come. There's a bunch of students from the middle school and the high school. They come. They play soccer. And then we have youth group. And then we teach the Bible. We we worship Jesus. And then we're saving souls. You can never get tired of the work of God. You can never get burnt out of the work of God because you don't do it in your own strength. I had never in my life heard that people got burnt out of ministry. Until I went to Bible school. And that's because then I started hearing a different version of what ministry in the gospel is. You had pastors who are, Um, only dedicated to social media. They spend more time on TikTok and Facebook and Snapchat than they do in the presence of God. You have pastors that they're so worried about how they're going to entertain the people. What props should I use? What example should I use? Instead of what does God want me to teach? What does God want us to to follow this Sunday? Where does God want us at in the church? That's how you get burnt out. I never once read in the Bible that people got burnt out. When the Holy Spirit came, I don't, I don't find that because the Holy Spirit is life. Life with the Holy Spirit is exciting. Life with the Holy Spirit is completely different. So the Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread. The third thing that happens is the following. One second. Yeah, go ahead, man. If, if you want to do that, do your thing. My producer is uh, asking some questions. He's a great guy. So um, another thing that happens, this is the third thing that happens. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, four things that happen. The first thing is there is an overwhelming fullness of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, there's a dedication and consecration to the work of the kingdom. And the f- third thing, I can't even count. I was going to say the fourth thing. The third thing that happens is there's a deepened reverence to God. This is very important. I think we'll spend some time here. Deepened reverence to God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it says the following. It says, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All and all. I don't know about this translation. This one's the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version. And all came over them. Chapter 2, verse 43. Verse 43. where, Where is it at? Here we go. And all which can also or fear the footnote says or fear so a fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So what happened there was this fear that came over everybody. It's not fear of uh, the same thing as being scared. No, it's a fear of reverence. There is this sense of respect that came over everybody. Every soul that was there had a, this sense of respect. There was this feeling of respect that came over them. And the Bible says that many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So what happens? When the move of the Spirit is, is powerful, when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have this deepened reverence, you have this deepened respect to the things of God, to the church, to where you go, to where you worship. It's not only uh, uh, that you go, you go in and you come out the same way. No. Now, I don't want you to mistake what I'm going to say by come as you are. But one of the biggest issues is that we come as we are in America. You go to church as you are and you leave the same way as you are, full of sin, full of hatred, full of unbelief, full of unforgiveness. And so many people leave Sunday morning service to then go home and live just like the devil there is no sense of respect I don't know if you've ever been to a church I've been to a church a few churches but have you ever just been to a church where there's just no sense of holiness in the church like there's no there's just like this like light behavior there's no they just don't the churches don't feel holy it feels more of a like a hangout place. I remember one time we got invited to lead worship. This is a true story. We got invited to lead worship at a church. And so we get there and there's a bunch of cars. And I said, oh, great, they're having service. We get to leave our instruments and be ready to go for Sunday morning. And so I was uh, discipling a few students and they all brought their instruments Said, "Hey, We're going to drop off our instruments at this church. We're going to lead tomorrow. I'm I'm supposed to preach. Um, And then what's going to happen is after that, um, you know, we'll drop off the instruments and then we'll go get something to eat. We'll go home, take a nap. And then uh come back Sunday morning. Well, when we get to this church, we're excited at first because we think they're having service. When we get in there, there is clouds of smoke everywhere. The place is just reeking of smoke. Hey Moses, thank you for watching. I appreciate that. Shout out to Abdiel Duran Durant. Um, I hope you're doing well. So we get to this church and we need to go shooting sometime. I'll tell my cousin, we can go, but we get to this church. And so they're smoking, there's alcohol everywhere. And I'm like, what is going on here? So then I call the leader that I had conversations with. I said, Hey, what's going on here? People are smoking. People are drinking. It smells like weed in here. What is happening? So then he tells me the following. He says, oh, we're having our our outreach program, but it's okay. You can go drop off your instruments in the sanctuary. I said, okay, great. So we go into the sanctuary, and the sanctuary is, I kid you not, is full of smoke. I mean, my eyes are burning by this point. There's a huge mosh pit going on. There's people on stage cussing, throwing themselves from the stage onto the crowd. I mean, I'm like, this is no church. So I call the guy and I'm like, "What is going on here?" And he goes, "Oh, it's our uh, outreach program." It's okay. Everything'll be ready to go tomorrow morning for Sunday morning service. So then I ended up canceling because I was like, "I'm not I'm not doing this. What's happening here?" I didn't fully understand at the time. Then I go back to that church. They invite me later. They said, hey, we would like to have you for Sunday morning. Don't worry. Last time was a big misunderstanding, blah, blah, blah. What's up, JD? I hope everything's going good, man. Shout out to everybody in South Texas. Um, so we go back to lead worship, and we actually are in the service. And so I'm talking about the reverence of, of uh, the deepened reverence to God. When we walk in, There's this full coffee bar, which I don't have a problem with coffee, as you've noticed if you've been watching this. But when we walk in, there's people in flip-flops. There's people in shorts, tank tops, uh, sleeveless shirts. These people look like they just rolled out of bed five minutes ago and just rushed to get to service. There's a guy sitting in the front. Kid you not. Tank top. I mean, he looks like he's going to the beach. Then when the moment comes to worship, the guy stands up with his coffee, sticks one hand in his pocket and is drinking coffee and kind of sings, mumbles a few words, sits down, listens to the message and then goes home. That's not church. So many people will say, well, you can't be judging too hard. You don't know what the process is going like. The problem is, is it seems that everybody is always going through a process. Don't judge me by my process. Don't ju- and, and people say you got to come to church just as you are. And that's great. Please come to church as you are. But when you have an encounter with God, it is impossible to stay as you are. It is impossible to still live in sin. When you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it is impossible that you don't have this deep in reverence, this deep sense of respect to the house of God. God, we we I understand we live under grace, but grace does not give us the license to treat the house of God, to treat the building, the church, and so many people well, once again have the most biblical excuses. Well, the church isn't the building; we're the church. Wherever we go, we're the church. The problem is, is if we are the church, we're falling apart because I see some people who call themselves Christian and have no power. They are not willing to pray for people in the public. They don't know the first thing about the gospel. All they know is that they are loved, and that Jesus loves them, and that Jesus died for them, and that Jesus has great things for them. That's all they know. That's not the gospel. The gospel—you are not the center of the gospel. The go- the center of the gospel is Jesus. So again, what happens when 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 you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have this deepened reverence to God. Now. When you go to the average church in America, you'll see people on their phones, you see people that show up, and yesterday I was talking about how you pay musicians, and that's a whole other debate, but musicians go, their heart's not in it, they go for the money. The people lead worship for the money. As soon as they're done leading worship, they're out. Their heart is not in the vision of the church, they are there for a paycheck, and that's it. How can you expect a move of God when your heart is not in it, when you're not passionate, when your soul, when you're not dedicated to the work of that church, now that's not every church, obviously, but that is a majority of them. I know so many musicians that their heart—they're they're not invested in their church. They're there for a paycheck, and so you have this light behavior. You're on your phone. Um, you're in and out. I, I remember I used to go to a church. Um, when as soon as they were done playing, the musicians, they'd go out to eat, and then they'd come back for altar call, and they'd play, and then they'd leave again, and then they'd hang out. Um, I've known musicians who uh, um, they would go minister a night of worship, and then they would hook up with somebody they met there and spend the night at the hotel, and then come back the next day and just do it all over again, because they were on tour, because whatever it may be. There is so much sin in what we call The worship movement. I'll give you a quick example. How can you say that you have reverence to God, that there is a deepened reverence when there's literally artists, Christian artists with other Christian bands doing tours, and you have this these worship leaders or singers that have their 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 shirts unbuttoned all the way down almost to their belly button, and they're dancing, their hips are just being thrown out there. I mean, it's like a Michael Jackson concert. What is the difference between that? And 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 in the world, there's no difference. This is why the Holy Spirit doesn't move. People cannot people cannot detect the real presence of God because they're used to a bunch of fast food. See, people dislike healthy food when all you've been used to is fast food. When all you've been eating is and the guy and the guys wearing hats. You got guys on. Come on, man! Don't even get me started. And when all when you're used to eating fast food. And then somebody comes at you with healthy food, a salad. You don't want that stuff because you think it's trash. This is why you have so many people that will label those that have a deepened reverence for the things of God and respect for God. They label them religious. They label them uh, extremist. They're like, Wow, you can't be so religious, man. You can't be so religious. If you want an authentic move of God, there is no other way. There is an order to the things. You cannot abuse grace. You cannot abuse the freedom that God has given you. I was watching some videos of some concerts. Um, all they are is shows. They, they, there's nothing Christian about them. But I was watching some shows, uh, some videos. These guys, I mean, the men are wearing tighter pants than the women. The dude singing, is his shirt is unbuttoned all the way down to his belly button, throwing everything out there in front of women's faces and you have these people talking about their worshiping God, there's nothing about worship in that movement at all. I'll tell you what there really is. And it's not me being judgmental. It's me telling you from experience, because I've been in those movements, there's a lot of sin. These men, these people who worship God that night, when they leave, they're on their phones, they're sending messages to all kinds of messages to other people, Um, they're sleeping around, they go back and listen to all the secular music and then claim to be Christians. Their whole purpose in life is to be known. Our purpose is not to be known. Our purpose is to make Jesus known, is to preach the gospel. I know I kind of went on a little rabbit show, but if you remember Jim Baker, he was a well-known evangelist back in the 80s, early 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Jim Baker had a moral failure. He slept with someone else who wasn't his wife. Now, after they interviewed him, they said, now, um, brother Jim Baker, did you forget that God loved you? Did you forget that there's nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God? This is what the man's response was. He said, I never forgot that God loved me. I always knew that. What I forgot was the fear of God this is what took this man to fall into sin. I always knew that. He said, I forgot to fear God. I forgot the fear of God in my life. You can never let go of the fear of God. When you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you must keep that. The fear of God is what keeps you from so easily falling back into sin. It's not that God's going to be mad at you. No, it's, there is a respect just the same way that you have a respect for your father, for your mother. You're not scared because they're gonna they're, they're gonna punish you or, or or they're gonna discipline you. No, because you love them, because they are your father, because they are your mother. You have respect for them. In the same way, we have to have respect for the things of God. We can't be out here just sinning and doing all kinds of crazy things. No, by the grace and mercy of God, we are still alive because we've all been a victim of this. So that's the third thing that happens. So the first thing that happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit is an overwhelming fullness of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, there's a dedication and consecration to the work of the kingdom. Thirdly, there's a deepened reverence to God. And fourthly, this is what happens. There's love for Christ and for the lost. It just happens naturally. It is impossible to say that you have the spirit of God living in you and you do not share the gospel. It is impossible for you to call yourself a Christian and you have not once shared the gospel with anybody. Because when you become born again, when you receive this forgiveness, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, what happens naturally is that this love for Christ begins to grow and increase, and this love for the lost also begins to grow and increase. This is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 31. It says, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to hell, nor did his flesh see corruption. What did he do? Oh, I'm sorry. That's the wrong verse. Acts chapter 2, Mark chapter 16, verse 20. It says, and they went out and preached everywhere. I knew something was wrong. It's like, this, can't, this is not making any sense. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So when you preach the gospel, you not only just preach this message of salvation, there's also signs and wonders that follow because that is in the Bible. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have love for Christ, not only for Christ, but also for the lost. How can you call yourself a church or a Christian and never win souls? Never teach about about the, the 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 work of Christ. Never teach about the gospel. Never talk about the cross. How can you call yourself a worship team and never invite people to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And it's important that you do that. There are people that say, "Well, I don't do altar calls. I just preach," and then it is the Holy Spirit that does the rest. No, they have to have a moment where they have to be challenged with what will you do with the message that you just heard? And I understand that it's not about just a prayer, but somebody, they don't know how to give their life to Jesus. The the Bible says in Acts, they asked Peter, they said, how, what must we do to be saved? What do we do to be saved? They don't know how to be saved. This is why we just, hey, repeat this prayer, but It's not it doesn't just stay there. Now there comes discipleship. Now there comes growth. It's not about people repeating a prayer. It's about people repenting and being forgiven of their sins. And then comes the hard part, which is discipleship, teaching them to keep all things. This is why Jesus said, he didn't just say, go into all the world and preach the gospel. No, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them and teaching them to keep these things, these commandments. It's discipleship. It is as equally as important as them receiving Jesus. Otherwise, they're going to fall off. So you have to have love for the lost. I, I dare to say that if you don't share the gospel, you don't have the spirit of God. It is impossible. It's impossible. This is why we do so many outreaches. This is why... We did our youth camp. Why? Because people need Jesus, because people need to be reconciled. They need to be restored. This is why in September 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th, we're sending out speakers outside every single night and then tearing down at the end of the night. Why? For one purpose, and that is to preach the gospel, to pray for the sick, to lay hands on the sick, to see God move in a powerful way, to bring salvation to Sherman, Texas. This is why we do that every year. This is why we've invested so much money. This is why. Also, in November, we're going to Brazil and we're raising $10,000. How are we going to get it? I don't know, but I'm saving up as much as I can. But I know God will move in a miraculous way because the whole purpose is not for us to go have a vacation and sit at Copacabana Beach. No, the whole purpose is for us to go and preach the gospel when we're having coffee to to talk to the barista about Jesus. Whenever we're uh, being uh, taken somewhere to talk to the Uber driver, the taxi drivers, whoever it may be, to tell them about Jesus, but also to set up in the center plazas and have speakers, and have a full worship team, and let the world know about Jesus. Let the world know, let Brazil know about the power of God, that he can deliver them, that he can do all things if they just believe. So there is this love that comes over us for the lost. When was the last time that you shared the gospel? Ask yourself that question. When was the last time that you shared the gospel and secondly, how many people have you brought to the feet of Christ since you've been a Christian? There are people that I've heard. I mean, I've heard the most ridiculous excuses. First one is I wasn't called to preach. I was called to play the piano in a church. I wasn't called to, to preach. I was called to open the doors and to clean the bathrooms. It, it's, if you believe, then you are called to preach. Then I heard another excuse, which was I wasn't called uh, to preach. Um, I'm called to pray because I'm an intercessor. People will get so biblical and so spiritual with these excuses. It's, it's ridiculous. But when was the last time that you want somebody for Christ? I've heard another excuse. Well, eventually I will. Right now I'm just working on myself. That's your problem. You're working on yourself. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Let the Holy Spirit have full control, and then you're going to be able to see what he can do. Everything that you've been trying to do for all of these years, and you can't manage to accomplish, the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit can do in two seconds what you've been trying to do for two years. Let him have control. So you have love for Christ and love for the lost, and this is why we do what we do, because we want to see people come to the feet of Christ. We don't we we don't do this for money. No, there is love, little love for the lost. This is why every single Wednesday I go out, I buy ice. We get we get uh, pizza, Little Caesars, of course, because uh, it's youth ministry Uh, and we get waters and we're out here. We're sweating. We're preparing. We're praying. Why? Not for recognition, not for for money, because we have to invest money, but to see those young students come to the feet of Christ. I'm tired of so many people complaining about all the problems that are happening all around the world, about the problems in their uh, society, about the problems in their neighborhood, and nobody does anything. And then secondly, when you have a church that wants to do something and wants to see God move, everybody stands up against the church. Why? It's, it doesn't make sense. It's the devil. Now, in conclusion, I want to finish off. It's necessary to seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit every single day. This is what the Bible says um, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 31. Let uh, Let me read it here in the English Standard Version. Acts. Verse 31. I wrote down the wrong verse. I should be fired from preaching. Let's see. Was it chapter 2? It wasn't chapter 2. It was chapter 4 because they go to jail there before the council. So Acts chapter 4. It says... I got to find this. How can I not find it? I don't know. I know it's Acts chapter Acts chapter 2, let's see cuz they go to jail. They're before the council, then they come back. They pray for boldness. Yeah, it's got to be chapter 4. I don't know why I wrote chapter 2. That's my fault. And then perfect. perfect. Yeah, here it is. Acts chapter uh chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and, and verse 31. So they go there before the council. And then they come back and the believers pray for boldness. Now check this out. This is Peter and uh, John. They're preaching. And then it says, uh, verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. These are the people that were in chapter 2. They had already received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but they prayed and they were filled again. So I want to finish off with this, is the following. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually. Every single day, you're filled with the Holy Spirit it's not just a one-time event. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's good. I'm good. I'm No more temptation. No more sin. No, you have to keep in prayer. You have to remain in prayer. You have to remain seeking the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said, pray so that you do not fall into sin. Pray so that you do not fall into temptation. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. But as long as you're prayerful, as long as you're continuing to pray, you'll never fall into temptation. So you have to seek the baptism. You have to seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit every single day. You seek to be filled once again, once again. It's just like uh, drinking a cup of water. That cup of water has to be filled again so that you can drink again. So you have to seek every single day. Your relationship with Christ is dependent on how how much you're connected to the Holy Spirit, how much you're connected to the presence of God, how much time you spend in the presence of God. So I hope you learned something today. And uh, if uh, you're watching and you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me, say, Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to die for me on the cross. Today, I recognize that I am a sinner and I repent of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Write my name in the book of life. And the day that I die, I want to wake up in heaven and be able to have a feast with you, my Lord. I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray to that prayer, I want you to send me a message. I would love to pray personally with you, talk to you, and send you a gift as well. So before we close out, I want to let you know um, if you would like to donate to everything that we're doing, that our ministry is doing in Brazil and all over the world. There's a few ways to give. Um, The first way to give is uh, through Cash App and Venmo. You can give through Cash App or Venmo. It's EM Give my initials, E as in Edward, M as in Mary, E-M, give, or you can go to Eduardo Menjivar, which is my first and last name, dot churchcenter.com, and you can give uh, with the debit card, you can give with a credit card, um, or you can set up a monthly giving as well. If you would like to become a partner in this ministry, you can do so as well. Uh, also, if you would like to give through PayPal, scan that QR code, and you can uh, you'll be directed right there on your phone on how to give. Or lastly, if you would like to give through Bitcoin, you can do so as well. Our website is up and coming, so soon we'll be able to have a website with all of our resources there. Um, We're having our website in Spanish and English and Portuguese. So we're working on that right now. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in, and I pray. Um, that you will stay connected with the Holy Spirit and that you will see these four things in your life. So we're going to dismiss with this quick little video, promo video for Brazil. So keep us in prayer that many souls will come to Christ and that many souls will be delivered in Jesus name.